Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, turbo edition of the podcast. Kevin, your name's Kevin Zimmerman. We're going to be saying Kevin Durant a lot on this podcast. That's one thing I got to get used to here. What's up? Or Kev. Going to call him KD a lot, I think. I think that's what I'm going to stick to. Kev, KD. We were just talking to Kev or KD <laughs> uh, less than like 45 minutes ago. I zoomed. If you were there, you saw me zoom immediately for the exit and head over here because uh, a lot going on today. Kevin Durant just spoke. They've got a game in five hours. They had shoot around this morning. You did not care about that shoot around because you were covering the Gannon introduction, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. A ton going on, and we haven't talked in nearly a week, and there's been a lot to cover in a week. So we're going to try and get through it here in the 20 minutes that we have, and then we go away on our President's Day three-day weekend all-star break and stuff. So we're going to try and cram everything in here. We are going to return at some point on Thursday or Friday before the first game on Friday, and hopefully, um, not hopefully, we will really draw this out more specifically and talk about him and talk about how the team is looking and all that kind of stuff, but more of a turbo edition right now. I was there. Um, I'll talk about my own personal experience here in a second. And again, I left the arena like 40 minutes ago, so still really fresh for me. I want to start with you, though, because you were in a much better position, first of all, to be able to hear yeah. Uh, what was said. Uh, so what were your uh, takeaways from what he was said besides uh, learning all of us learning what a press conference like that means, which is don't ask about <laughs> anything else but the Suns or else you will get booed. Oh, yeah. I, I think my biggest it, take... We should say, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. There, there are people listening who didn't see it. Uh, it. It took place on the court five hour, five and a half hours, six hours before a game in front of 3,000 fans, 2,000 fans, 1,500 fans, uh, a bunch of season ticket holders and a bunch of people who were able to get in in other ways. Having a press conference in that kind of situation was unique, and I'll talk more about that in a second. But as far as the more important part by far, which is what he said, uh, what were your takeaways? I didn't really learn a whole lot. I mean, the baseline was that he had, he knows basketball history, right? We kind of assumed that about him if you had followed him at all in any capacity. Um he just talked about Phoenix and why it was on his mind. And it's all the things that we probably assume just the fan base, um, the basketball that has been played here in the past, even like 2013, 14 fun team that made a mark on him. But to me, it again goes back to book and just talking about how much he's just about hooping, not a big blustery guy. He just shows up, works on the craft and Kevin kept coming back to that as in like this team always just like, is about the process and I'm about the process. I've always been about the process. That's why I liked the Nets and he got emotional about that team despite their failures compared to expectations. He didn't get into it and and the failing to reach those expectations, but I think he sees the same thing here where it's fresh, it's new, but at the same time it's just about going in the gym, getting better every day. Um and yeah, the 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 book comments just stuck out to me like he said you could basically teach a class on Devin Booker and that's that's super interesting and not anything surprising but I think it's that's an interesting way to put it the line that I've had in my head now that I've been saving for a story um 
You don't often you don't often like think you know of something to say or like a I, I'm not like this whenever I have an opinion or something or a line and like take it as my own. But I'm taking claim for this. Uh, Devin Booker's f- your favorite Hooper's favorite Hooper, and yeah. Kevin Durant is the Hooper. Yeah. So it it really ties in there just how much he appreciates what Devin Booker does on the floor specifically. My question was based around that because the number one thing that people uh, smarter than me and people who have been watching him and covering him a lot longer than I have, have just talked about what I, what my main takeaway was and what we've been geeking out about on Twitter, watching the Suns' offense is just his adaptability and his versatility. I asked him about that uh, in regards to Devin Booker, because you'll remember how much I geeked out when we were podcast, when I was watching them play at 2 a.m. in yeah. Tokyo and watching Devin Booker and Drew Holiday form this menacing defensive backcourt. And I was just like, I know who this guy is, but it's at, at times like when he was fronting Rudy Gobert and taking charges, I was like, who who is this guy? But I always knew he was that guy, but he's so he's been so adaptable over his career. We just haven't been able to see it. And it's not fair to say that he can't adapt to the situation or, or we, it's unproven that he because he hasn't had the opportunity. He's had to be the guy here the whole time. And we already learned when Chris got here, how quickly he adapted. Do you remember when that trade happened? And, uh, and a lot of people were like, oh, I wonder what Devin Booker's going to Yeah, I wonder what Devin Booker's going to think about this, not having the ball anymore. It's like he gets to play with Chris Paul. He's going to be fine. And he gets to play with Kevin Durant now. He's going to be fine, and he's going to figure out ways to impact the game differently. You and I have been talking about defense a lot, I think, for Durant as well. Uh, it, it's a really arduous, it's not an arduous or fair claim, and that's the, I can sit here and say there are so many times where a player like Kevin Durant, who is someone not to his level, but maybe like there's like a five or a six-time All-Star, right? Like Chris Bosh. Like Chris Bosh leaves Toronto, and then he gets to go play in Miami and he's like, we can say he's never played with a scorer like this. But then I, I was about to say, like, is Devin Booker the best scorer that he's played with? Well, he's played with Steph no. Curry. <laughs> he's played with James Arden. He's played with Kyrie Irving. He's played with Russell Westbrook. Like he's played with a lot of really top tier scores. But those guys specifically from afar, at least, I think Steph it proved to be the most adaptable of those four by a really wide margin. Yeah. Uh, I think Kyrie was pretty adaptable and I think Harden was pretty, I, all of those guys were adaptable to a certain extent. Um, but I don't think that they were nearly as adaptable to the situation as Steph Curry was. And I think that Booker is going to rank closer to Steph than whoever you would place fourth or fifth there, probably Westbrook, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to segue into the, the Kings game for a second, but like, Devin Booker had a big night. DA and Chris Paul had their pick and roll, short roll stuff going. Like, if you do plug in Kevin Durant there and just pretend that, like, he's floating around, like, maybe that's a team where he can just be like, oh, I'm the lockdown defender for X wing, right? And when you get in the playoffs, if if Monty Williams can go to Kevin Durant or Devin Booker and being like, you're just going to be important on defense because of the matchups, and you're going to have to guard a guy who's going to score 20 a game but you just got to make it tough on him this team can survive that because they have three other guys who could score 20 on any given night and i'm not even including like tj warren terrence ross in that so i think that when we talk about adaptability like it can be devin one night it can be kd the other night where they're just like shutting down their scoring brain and not caring about that unless it comes to them naturally within the flow of the game and the scheme and how they're planning on attacking. So 
yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the beauty in those two guys where you're even with Chris and DA included and TJ Warren, like you're not really worried about anyone's ego in this, which is I think unique because as tired as like the narrative about adding a superstar goes in these situations when superstars join together, um, there is something to say how they fit together. Like the Kyrie Luca thing, I think is not that big of a deal because they need every ounce of scoring they can get. But Mm -hmm. there's, there's a little bit like we saw in the last few possessions that, that, every team will have to go through. So I think that's kind of important to from, talk from, about here. From what I remember, he was citing James a bit in terms of like, James is clearly someone he trusts in terms of who is out there and what they're looking for in a player and like getting James's feedback on what he needs to bring to the team. And obviously Monty is going to factor into that. I'll have to listen to it back again to remember that part specifically but another standout was him citing the 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 wonder kids the 48 win <clears throat> the 48 win sons in 2013 14 i believe the Goran Dragic Eric Bledsoe Gerald Green PJ Tucker Markeith Marcus Morris Mason Mile, Miles Plumley Miles. Miles Plumley who could forget old Miles <laughs> uh and he he cited that as something when it during his time in the league, seeing the way that they played and all this kind of stuff, being like, oh, like that's a that's crazy memory because I vaguely remember that team for some reason matched up really well with like a really good OKC team because right that was still him Westbrook I believe so yeah and I remember them playing them tough for some reason and that goes to show that even when your sons are winning 48 games and they're not getting attention. Like I'm talking to sons fans here specifically because um, they, they have a right to do this. And I agree with them a lot of the time when they get upset about the lack of coverage of the team, by the way, those days are gone. Yeah. Uh, Your team is going to get talked about all the time now. Um, There, there is this kind of thing when like no one's watching and it's frustrating. They're not getting talked about like the bubble run and all that stuff. Well, it turns out that Kevin Durant was paying attention when they won 48 games and Chris Paul was paying attention when they were in the bubble. And the most important people are always paying attention. I think that's something else that I kind of took away uh, from that press conference specifically. Again, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I'll have words up on ArizonaSports.com later today on Thursday, if you're listening to this. And then on Friday, we'll have even more, uh, campaign and Terrence Ross has some great stuff to shoot around today. I messaged you and I was like, I can't do this today. I, I can do it tomorrow. I'm not doing it today either. Colin. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're not. Uh, it was a very, <laughs> very busy day. Uh, his, his, he had a really good, probably his line of the presser to me was on uh, Devin Booker where he said like they're going to be doing classes on his game. Uh, quiet, efficient scoring goes about his business off on and off the court in a mature manner. Uh, he, again, favorite Hooper's favorite Hooper. He's earned the respect of Again, that is that is Kevin Durant saying that, who is one of the best basketball players I'm ever going to see in my lifetime. That guy said that about uh, the face of the franchise and the guy who, in my opinion, is going to go on to be the, the number one son of all time when it's all said and done. Uh, that stuff really matters. Uh, these people came here to play with him, and that's a lot of what really um, came to fruition sort of in this uh, madness. I'll go. Um, do you have anything else that stood... So it was done in front of like 3000 fans or something like that. We were sitting in the court side seats facing the court. So we weren't facing the crowd. Um, apparently what happened was Dwayne Rankin uh, asked his question. Kevin Durant answered that question and it was playing on the radio feed. It was playing on the YouTube. ESPN feed team feed. Yeah, Everyone heard everything Great. except the crowd that was there. Yeah. 
um, something like the speakers facing the court, because I could hear it for sure. Uh, I, I could hear my own voice the first time I, I answered the question. So when people were uh, uh, getting handed myself, hitting the court, <laughs> speakers were fine. The ones projecting out to the fans, I think, were not working. So then I ask my question. He asked me to repeat it, and while he does that, there's a lot of people yelling and just being like, we can't hear any of you. So then I waited for like five seconds because I knew someone was madly scrambling, and I was just hoping the next time I say a word, I hope that something happens that lets me know that they can hear me now. And then I said adaptability and versatility, and then they drowned me out with cheers because they could finally hear again. And then Kevin... Um, when Kevin started answering, he like said a couple lines and then they cheered again because they could actually hear him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that explains that. That is what happened. Um, a, a lot of people are confused. I was just, again, I drove here and we started podcasting, so I haven't been able to catch like a ton of the reaction, but it seems like people were kind of confused why I repeated the question. Some people thought I was getting booed because I was repeating my question. <laughs> Some people thought I was getting cheered for for asking my question because they started cheering when I asked the question. Like, wow, they really like Kellen a lot. Look at this. And I was like, no, it's nothing. <laughs> nothing like that. Dave King got a huge hand. Did that come across? Oh, no. For his question? It was just like Dave. I was, he was like, Dave King, SB Nation. Welcome. Da, 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 da. And then like a few dozen people at least were just like, yeah, got Dave. The, if I remember correctly, he got the press conference back on track but anyway <laughs> he uh he asked two really good questions too he asked about uh Devin getting people to come here and then asked about if he's going to play soon that got a nice reaction from the fans as well so there were like reactions to questions I was, I was and it's saying like, it's this whole thing where I could picture the main thing I thought of is if this ever becomes a thing people are now going to ask questions so they can be cheered because it's cool to be cheered by people some uh unfortunate soul who did not get cheered was Nick Friedel with ESPN mm. who is there because he covered the entire Brooklyn Nets saga which I know Suns fans who were there were were booing because they just wanted to hear stuff about the Suns. But you got to understand, like as as a job, that is the time to ask Kevin about that, and it just happens to be in front of all of these fans. And could again, you tell? Could you tell he got emotional on that too? Like he he was not offended. He was like actually like almost crying. It seemed like on the feed. Kevin? Yeah. Oh wow, I, I didn't I didn't hear that at all. Um, but I it was it's so it's so weird because like the. When we look back on this generation of basketball, so we're going to say like post Miami LeBron to like the end of LeBron and KD, like this little 10 years, one of the top four or five stories of that decade of the NBA is going to be this failed super team. So Nick Friedle has to ask that question. And then he gets booed and then he asks a follow up again and then people boom again. And I think Chris Mannix asked one too, but it's like all that kinds of thing. Um, My last takeaway from that, Kevin. Yeah. Man, um, we talk about championship or bust and like championship expectations. But after, by, when I was driving home, that's driving here. That's all I could think about. I was like, they better win a cha-, like a second round exit after that. Like yeah. not after that kind of stage, but just Did- him being here, the reception of him being here, how excited people are, how high people's hopes are justifiably. So it just elevates everything. And now like he talked about pressure a lot and th- the pressure that this team is going to feel is nothing like what they felt against Milwaukee. It's going to be nothing like they felt last year. This is going to be a whole different deal. And, and the good thing is the the top dog is ready for it. Like he, he said that cold blooded, like I feel pressure all the time because I'm one of the greatest that's ever done this. And it's like, yeah. you, you are, and you, you can do. do that. Yeah. You, yep. Did you Mr. get Durant. major LeBron intro 
Presser in Miami. Not one, vibes. not two, not three, not four. When I had James, a friend when James started. I don't even remember how close it was or why, but everyone kind of had this like, oh, James is speaking like he almost went into not one, but yeah. Rah, rah. He, yeah. he was like, are you guys ready? That kind of thing. I had there a friend. were less laser show. Wasn't there like a laser show in that happened? That thing was crazy. Yeah. Like it felt like it was it was a concert. That did not feel like a concert. It still felt like a press conference, but may, maybe that was because... You it, had to be working uh, and you were like they didn't, fighting a crowd that wasn't to a, get... That wasn't a press conference either, if I remember correctly, right? They weren't answering questions. They were, they, they they were out have, there with maybe like an arena host or something, but they yes. weren't like media people asking questions. I don't think so. I had a friend text me then, and I was like, hey, "Yeah, I, I don't know." And and Dwayne and a lot of people, and I'm sure I'm going to talk to him about it tonight. And like, um, it might have been talk to Fredell f- about it and other people. Like, I'm sure that they've never covered anything like that. I can say that easily because I've only been doing this to this extent for like five years now. And the I've been Suns haven't years. been good for a lot of that time. Yeah. Also. Okay, quick hitter. Yeah. Rapid fire edition. Yep. Uh, that Kings win, boy, 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 this team could be could be something. Uh, when Kevin Durant is present, everyone plays well. It's like their expectations, and they handled it well so far. Suns have won 11 of their last 14 games. They are now 32 and 27. Quick standings update. The Suns are a game back of the Kings going into tonight. Most of the teams are already on their all-star break. It's Milwaukee, Chicago, Clippers, Phoenix, Washington, Minnesota playing today, and I think that's it. They actually could catch number two seed Memphis because they're not that far back. I was about to say that. They're four games back of Memphis. They are five games back in the loss column. They are nine games back of Denver in the uh, loss column for first, so they're not going to get to first. But I said on a Burns and Game interview and then probably on here, like top four was out of reach for them because they were sliding fast and guys weren't coming back quick enough. And then those guys did such a great job piece things together while guys were coming back so when guys came back the momentum was already there and now they've won 11 of 14 and now Kevin Durant is going to be on their team in in, in a game or two Uh, behind them are the Clippers uh, a half game back and then a game and a half back are the Timberwolves and Mavericks and then all of a sudden we're starting to see a little bit of separation not a ton but uh, Pellies are two games back two and a half for the Warriors three for the Thunder three and a half for the Jazz and Blazers five games back of the Lakers so we're starting to see a bit more but I think that like third week of February which will be like uh, a whole month of games uh, by then like that is when we are going to see like okay this team can't even make like top six like the Lakers could feasibly finish top three still they're only six games back but running out of games pretty soon here there's 23 left for the suns will be 22 left when they come back the suns signed terrence ross i don't know how you read how all of it went down and and i don't you definitely did not listen to what he said today because you were working on gannon stuff uh he said that uh he described the whole dallas thing and basically said if you're not familiar uh the listener i'm talking to you not kevin um your name's you, kevin who can tell yeah that's a good one uh oh my mind is a million miles an hour he was near going to dallas almost went to dallas and then it was reported that the last second like the suns kind of came in Uh, and he said that was just phone calls with james and monty kind of confirmed that was the case and they talked about his role which makes me think that he could be out there at the end of games maybe he's going to be the fifth starter maybe he's going to be the first that does not sound like the eighth or ninth man to me when he when he said that specifically i thought that was really interesting for those who don't know ross's game the quick 60 second version very athletic been in the league for 11 years six six wing but more of a guard i would say uh he checks score essentially is what he's been 
very good on like long twos and, and pull up twos like that. That's not a problem for him. Uh, threes are kind of more all over the place, but I think that has to do with the quality of shots. He takes the catch and shoot number is 40 something percent. Oh, the last yeah. five years, they were pretty good. Defense is the big question from what I've heard from uh, people who've watched him in Orlando. Uh, just a bit of a floater, but like what it, the tools are there um, for him to be. So uh, he's going to have to come here and defend. If he comes here and defend, he'll be playing 20, 25 minutes a game for sure. Uh, and we'll give them kind of the scoring, probably the, the Shamit role basically is where I see him kind of slotting in. Did you score 45 points last night? Nope. Mikel Bridges did. Uh, he's on he, South Park also. Yeah, how many people still watch South Park? Like so many people tweeted that, and I was, yeah, like, I was like, "Wow!" It was all people... basketball people too. Yeah, I was like, was I didn't went... know this many people watch South Park still because everyone's like just watching South Park. Like, oh my gosh! After the game, the... you just do that. I don't know. I... God, I forgot how quick they're turn. I, I watched the documentary. Their turnaround so fast that they had the updated nets on there. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, McElbridge scored 45 points against Miami. Once the second half came around and Miami started to put like Jimmy Butler and had Bam Adebayo switched on him, it was too late. He got going in a hurry. We, I wrote the 3 and D up, uh, 3 and D to 3 level score thing uh, before last season, two seasons ago. Wrote MIDI committee, wrote the sequel to that. We've seen the pieces in place. It was confidence. It was figuring out how to do it. And as you tweeted to the Kendrick Perkins tweet, which we are not going to talk about, and that's the last time we're going to mention it, I'm mad I even said anything about it. Um, <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing, sort of. He was he knew what he was doing, but he was trying to figure out how to do it. And it broke him for like a month in terms of his efficiency. And then he just figured it out. He's just got it that down. That is down. crazy, though. He's going to make the All-Star team next year. It is crazy that he just, this switch flip that he had never flipped. Just just seemed pretty easy for him and yeah. I, when you're on Chris Paul and Devin Booker that long I'm not surprised it happened to him and I won't be surprised if it I'm, I won't rule it out happening to DeAndre Ayton at some point if the switch just flips maybe Kevin Durant is the guy that ultimately gets the switch flip for him that's what a lot of people were hoping for after the Sacramento game uh, that all-star claim by the way I, I hope Brooklyn is a good enough team to give him that but if they are a 500-ish team he's going to make the all-star team next like year he's going to he's going to average 20 22 23 next year and then be playing first team all defense again like he's going to be an all-star next year I like their team I like their team a lot too. The second game was horrifying because it was Spencer Dinwiddie doing the Dallas thing, and I was like, "This isn't no, 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 no!" Like share the ball, shoot forty-five threes, like the like the bubble Rockets, do some version of that, go crazy. Uh, turns out like Nick Claxton, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, like defensively as well. Ben Simmons getting in the mix there too. Uh, pretty fun, pretty fun. We did it. Can you make your segment? Yeah, we we got like two minutes here too. If you got no, anything else you want to share with the people, no, I'm good. I gotta I gotta go. Are you going to be violent and explosive today? Are you going to be uh, adaptive or are you going to be smart? Which four? Which of the four <laughs> are you going to try and be with your three day weekend? None of those. I'm going violent. Be, maybe at, I'm, I'm going to Iowa. To <laughs> what if you just were like, I'm going to be extremely violent. Like I'm just going to be very violent. And he's a football guy, brother. Let me tell you something. I don't care. Sirianni looked like a <laughs> looked like a mess in his press conference, and he just led his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they're like going to make more probably from what it looks like with what they've got going. Um, I don't care. All right, 
All right, we'll be back next week, like we said. Hopefully, we're talking about Kevin Durant playing. If you're not familiar, a week from Friday, uh, the 24th, they play the Oklahoma City Thunder, the last team that campaign and Kevin Durant were on together. Could be a fortuitous turn of fate for both of those. It sounds like Cam is either that game or pretty close. I got that vibe. Your one son on All-Star Weekend is saving Lee in the G League All-Star game. Is that what it's called? It's called something else weird that's sponsored. You would know better than me, brother. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We're back again next week. Make sure to subscribe and do all this stuff. We should say that because we've probably got way more listeners because Kevin Durant's here. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks everyone. Bye.